Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the Word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. I, some time ago, had promised to share about something very important to my heart and a need in the hour than has ever been before because the church of Jesus Christ today is ministering questions rather than godly edification, which is after faith. The church is supposed to be a giver of answers, not a minister of questions. Our faith is supposed to be a giver of answers. Paul tells Timothy, do not give heed to fables or endless genealogies because these things minister questions rather than godly edification, which is in faith. That means when you are a believer of Jesus Christ, you're supposed to be a giver of answers, not somebody who leaves questions. And for a long time, we have been comfortable again through the spirit of religion and indifference to even indoctrinate our people to accept to be questions in the name of, oh, we are being persecuted, oh, we're not being understood, oh, that's the way of salvation. And many of these assumptions are not true. They are assumptions indeed. The Bible says that everything we must know of God, everything the world should know of God, everything the world will ever know of God is manifest in the church. For God has showed it unto them. You see, the spirit of revelation comes to us to give us the revelation of the person of God. And because of that, everything the Bible says that is known of God is manifested in the church. Are you following what I'm saying? If you know God to be powerful, the church of Jesus Christ must be the demonstrator of power. If you know God to be wealthy, the church of Jesus Christ should be wealthy. If you know God to be what? Give any attribute you know about God. The church of Jesus Christ should manifest it. And the Bible says, we are without excuse anymore. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power and the Godhead, so that we are without excuse. In other words, we have enough revelation of God not to give an excuse. You have no excuse. Oh, you thought you did, but you no longer have an excuse. We don't have any excuse. Because every excuse we live on the earth, we leave questions. We leave questions. The world has started to look at the church a bit strange. And not because we are doing what God sent us on the earth to do and be, but because we even seem more indifferent to the great mandate than the world should understand us. Let me give you an example. There are many believers across the world who don't know how the world works. And because they do not know how the world works, do you know the excuse they give? Even though we are in this world, we are not of this world. And that is true. But if you're not of this world, but you're in this world, why are you in this world? Why don't you just die and go to heaven? I mean, when Paul gets the vision of heaven, he says that sometimes I'm torn betwixt as of to be in the flesh for your sake or to go and be with God, which is far better. Paul had a clear vision of what heaven looked like. So he preferred to be in heaven and chose to stay on the earth for the sake of men because he understood the great mandate or assignment of the earth. We even sing songs that, me, I don't care whether I do nothing in this world as long as I have Jesus. And Jesus is saying, look, you can actually do so much and still be with me. Somebody shout hallelujah. He told you to occupy until he what? Until he comes. What does that mean? Does that mean living in the realm of survival? 
Many Christians are in the survival mode, nomadic. Here it works. If it doesn't, you go there. Then if you fail even here, you go. You understand what I'm saying? They're trying life because we don't know how the world works. And so we have produced a bunch of spirit-filled believers, granted, tick, tongue-speaking, the whole night. We've produced a bunch of people who know how to quote scriptures, who know how to dissect exegesis and demystify oracles. We have a bunch of believers who can even correct. No, 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 here. This is not how you should teach it. This is how you should teach it. Not that way. We have a bunch of believers who are sanctified, consecrated. Even they walk holy. You look at her. Some of you, you dwell in the light that is unapproachable. Even a man can't tell you, uh -uh, because you are too righteous. And that's okay to be all of that. But my trouble has been that when we get in the world, we are not function. We are not function. Born again, tongue speaking believers are the ones on performance improvement plans. You're the ones getting warning letters because you failed to perform. Born again, tongue speaking, spirit filled believers. They're the ones with the worst attitude at your workplaces, even in the business world, you're the most unfaithful people. A big chunk of us. And you know, what hurts she's they say, hmm, aha, uh -huh, and she's born again. And then they leave it there. Ow. You feel like you've crucified the Lord again. You've misrepresented heaven. And then we switch off from the world that is moving so fast. You ask a Christian, at least you have basic understanding of how the economy works. No, none of my business. I'm a tongue speaker. Do you know how to operate on the internet? No, none of my business. I'm a tongue speaker. Can you operate at least a computer? No, I'm spirit-filled. Because you think you're going to lay hands on the computer. Wah! And it will do all the work. You understand what I'm saying? Do you know anything about what's happening in the world? Can you explain what blockchain is and what's going to become of that? Cryptocurrencies, what's happening in the world? Big data, what's happening in the world? NFTs, what's happening in the world? What is a stock exchange market? What does it even look like? None of my business. Me as long as I go to church and I hear Apostle Grace and then I get filled with the Holy Spirit and then I go home. You understand? Now, what hurts me is we have become so irrelevant in that world. We don't even know how to pattern ourselves to be acceptable and serve in the world that is watching us. And because of that, Christians are not in the places that matter in the world. And the men of this world know that it's important to be in the places that matter. It's important to be in the places that matter. Because certain decisions can be made in 24 hours that can change the history of the church of that nation. Just like that. You've seen it in different nations where they make one decision and it affects the whole church of that nation. Why? Because a Christian is not in that place. Neither can they give an answer for the questions of that day. And we're raising children too, but we're raising them as survivors. The world is actually moving faster than us every day. The eons are evolving. The periods of time are changing. And every eon or age of time comes with its provision. It comes with its knowledge. It comes with its wisdom. It comes with its potential. It comes with its skill. It comes with its testations. The demons our fathers were dealing with in 1906 are not the demons we're dealing with now. If you're spiritual enough and your eyes would open, you'd see Men have sought inventions way outside the wisdom God has given in scripture. Portals have been opened in the spirit realm and many things have come into the earth that were never in the earth before. You just see by how wicked men and women become more and more every day in the world. Even the things in the past that were obvious are not obvious anymore. Who is a man? Who is a woman? Do you know that we cannot, many nations cannot even define who a man is. There was a time it was obvious that this is a man and this is a woman. Now it's not obvious. They are debating it. It's debated because of how someone feels. You see what I'm saying? Many of you young parents, I don't even know how you're going to talk to your children when they become teenagers because we don't even know where to begin from to explain to them the world that is coming. And I know many of you understand what I'm saying. You've heard of schools in Europe getting rid of the Bible out of schools. What has that book done? What is so evil about a school keeping a Bible or a child reciting a prayer? 
it's illegal in some schools for a child to recite a Bible. And yet, I read a certain school somewhere in the United States where they're even teaching children topics on witchcraft and Satanism as a course. As a course. It's the option. Oh, the world has become so wicked and we can continue doing all of that and saying all of that. But the question still fundamentally stands. Where are we as believers? Look at how far science has gone. Look at how far biology has gone. The physics of this world, the chemistries of this world. Look at how far these men are building and inventing. And you know why? We're looking for Christian names. They're not there. They're not there. And then we wonder, let me tell you something. There are two kinds of people in the world. Those that think for it and those for whom they think for. Two kinds of people. You're either thinking for the world, creating for the world, inventing for the world, innovating for the world, adopting, mutating, evolving for the world. Or somebody out there is thinking for you. Somebody out there is determining how you evolve. Somebody out there is determining how you are adopting and mutating with life. Somebody out there is thinking about how you eat, how you sleep, how you drink. There's somewhere in the world thinking for you. And let me tell you, the smallest fraction in the world, slightly less than 1% of the population, is thinking for the whole world. Many people across the world are one, two-dimensional, especially us who function with pragmatic languages. Because the world cannot be built with a pragmatic language and interpretation of life. Even the scriptures we're reading cannot be interpreted from a pragmatic perspective. Lethargic languages are leading. Latin, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, all of these things. Men of those languages understand how the world works. Do you know that before the Arabs came in Africa, and I'm speaking to you Africans, before the Arabs came in Africa, we didn't even know and understand fully the concept of time. Before the white people came to Africa, we didn't even understand the concept of time. We couldn't even count. Somebody gave us mathematics, Arabic numerals. Somebody gave us algorithm, which you use to build your computer because it's a language. Why are you taken to school? Because English at least will give you a fourth dimensional interpretation of life. And yet, at least many people, even those who have gone to school, are still first or second dimensional in life. That's how they interpret life. Very few people in the world are third dimensional. Very few can break through fourth dimensional. And there's somebody who's watching me and they don't even have a clue what I'm saying, but they're just enjoying it. Now, let me give you an example. Without the right physics, can you build a four-story building or five-story building without the right physics? You can't. Without the right mathematics, you cannot build a five-story building. Now, does that shock you? that it was impossible for a pragmatic language individual to build a six-story building. Why? Because of the math, the physics that is necessary there. That is needed. And it had to be imported from another language. You see what I'm saying? That is why certain nations seem ahead in their thinking than other nations. What education does for you, it helps introduce you to these realms. What the Bible gave us in the Hebrew and Greek are dimensions because Hebrew is ninth dimensional. Latin is eighth dimensional. Greek is seventh dimensional. Aramaic is sixth dimensional. All of these are dimensions. When you read the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus never spoke pragmatically. So you cannot interpret the gospel with a pragmatic interpretation because in the Hebrew, one word can actually mean nine interpretations. One word can have nine interpretations. It's not possible for a pragmatic language to have more than two interpretations. At most, it's usually one interpretation. You see what I'm saying? So, to interpret a ninth dimensional language to a pragmatic one and write a Bible, let me explain it. Zoe, the life of God. Right? Zoe. It's one word. If you translate it in English, it becomes a sentence, the life of God. If you translate it in your pragmatic language, it also becomes a sentence. So, some which be words here are actually sentence in true interpretation. So for a man to say that they're interpreting concept upon concept, pretext upon pretext, word upon word, line upon line, they'll have to lose interpretation. Why? Because some words here are sentences here. Do you understand? Or else if they should find words for this, then this becomes inferior, the pragmatic one. 
So the better they interpret it here pragmatically, the further they are away from the original text. That is why some of the strangest doctrines come from people who interpret here, who has understood it. Now, you need to understand what God gave us. You need to understand what God gave the church. You need to understand that there are laws and principles that govern that and the language of things. The answer is here. The only way you can get a pragmatic mind and connect it to Hebrew and interpret it and put it in a world to create. If it can't interpret this, it will stay ordinary. Who has understood what I just said? Language is something for some of us to understand why the world is the way it is. Why the Mesopotamians give us certain ways in how we need to count. And how that counting helps us live life a certain way. We import certain wisdoms because they are important in how the world works. Without them, we don't understand how the world works. We don't understand how the world works. All you just do is to check on your phone and you see a weather forecast. But you never ask yourself, which brain actually thought to predict the weather? It's science. And my pragmatic language doesn't understand. It cannot until it obtains certain languages. And certain things will never be interpreted. You ask lawyers, there are certain terms they cannot speak in English. They will need the French and the Latin to help them. You see? Why? Because certain things are never interpreted. You are either invited to them or you stay indifferent to them. And a life lived, if not fully examined, is not a life worth living. Because you will never know what you are capable of. You will never understand your true potential. The problem is not our brains. Our brains are up there. We are smart people. We're smart people. Black, African, Asian, American, we're all smart people. But language is language. Interpretation is interpretation. Perception is perception. So there are fundamental laws that God has given in the world. You'll never escape them. There are fundamental laws on being successful. There are fundamental laws of being influential. There are fundamental laws concerning our affluence. There are fundamental laws concerning touching and changing lives. There are fundamental laws on increase and multiplication. There are fundamental laws. You can never go beyond them. Now the question is, the Christian who prays and thinks that God is going to make something happen, and if he could then have a happening which is a mistake without explainable pattern or process, that means they cannot multiply the effect of a thing because they don't know how it comes. It's sheer luck. Again, in scripture, he speaks of men who sometimes stumble on things. But God has not called us to just stumble onto things. Because if we just stumble on them by luck, it means we might never understand the pattern of reproducing and multiplying what we're able to do. That means you can only be you. You'll never multiply it to happen in another man because you do not know the way there. It's just sheer luck. God has not called Christianity to be a life of luck. It's the provisions of Lucifer, lucky, Lucifer. If you didn't know, we are blessed people, not lucky. You get the difference? We're blessed people, not lucky. Somebody shout hallelujah. And let me give you a little clue about how the world thinks. Because we need to help our believers be functional. And not only functional, influential. And not only be influential, be the heads and not the tail. Did he not say so? He said, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath if you hearken to the word. If you hearken to the word. God has called us to be the best. And that's the truth. And I'm not sorry. Somebody shout hallelujah. In the book of Daniel, the first chapter, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, one Nebuchadnezzar came of Babylon and to Jerusalem and besieged the king of Judah or the kingdom. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands with part of the vessels of the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. So Nebuchadnezzar besieges Jehoiakim and the kingdom of Judah and takes over everything and everybody in the kingdom. The Bible says, and after that, the king, verses 3, spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, of the king's seed and of the priests. So when the king, Nebuchadnezzar, takes over Jehoiakim's kingdom and Judah, the king tells Ashpenaz, go in there 
and look for the seed of the king and of the princes. First separate for me royal blood. I want you to see how they think. I want you to see how they think because if they are to use, they look for royalty. They look for that mark. They look for that distinction. They don't look for anything that is not royal if they are to use it uniquely. So the Bible says, and the children in whom there is no blemish, they look at healthy, but well-favored, skillful in all wisdom. They look for wise ones. Are you following me? And cunning in knowledge and understanding science, such as have the ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Let me explain this. When we are looking for them, firstly, we look for what's royal. We look for the king's seed. And more than that, when we look for the king's seed, we make sure in the king's seed, we look for that which is wise. We look for that which understands how the world works, science. We also look for that which is teachable. If they are not teachable, if they are not wise, if they are not royal, don't waste time. You can't use them for greater purpose. Now this right here is ancient wisdom. It's hidden, but it is distinctively revealed even today. The spirit realm understands these principles and can identify these qualifications on anybody. Because even those who you don't see like are believers, or those who are not even believers in the first place, remember, they are all created by God and the essence of God is in them. It looks for certain things when it is hiring. Somebody shout hallelujah. It looks for certain things when it is looking for somebody to place in a place of trust. So, you open your scriptures and read things like, Revelation 1.6 And the Bible says God has made us kings and priests unto God and his father and to him be glory, dominion forever and ever. And you say, oh, he's made us to be kings. Why do you think he has spoken, pronounced, defined or qualified you in the kingly grace? Because he knows the world needs to see you that way to trust you with higher purposes. The world needs to see you that way to believe you when you speak. The world needs to see you that way to pay you right. The world needs to see you that way to respect you and honor you. You must have some kingly salt. Whether you believe it or know it, that's how the world works. They're either looking for men who are kings or can make kings. They don't look for anything outside that. So when you read this scripture, are you seeing the language here? When you read this scripture, God is trying to help your brain understand that when I looked at the world you would live in, I didn't see that you'd survive it unless I put some king in you. Unless I wired you like royalty. Unless I assured you that you have a kingdom from which you belong. And because he's the king of kings, you are the kings of whom he's king. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says this is a decree to the watchers and the nobles of this world, that the Lord God of heaven rules in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it, the Bible says, the bestest men. In other words, God rules in the kingdom of men and there are people he sets up over realms, whether you know it or not. The world is divided in kingdoms. I'm not just talking about physical kingdoms. I'm talking about spiritual kingdoms. The world is divided in kingdoms. Why do you think when Satan takes Jesus on a high mountain, he tells him, bow to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. What was he talking about? Because in the spirit realm, leave these boundaries. Leave even your physical interpretation of kingdoms. Spiritually, there is a division of kingdoms in the world. And some kingdoms are subject to other kingdoms. That's how we understand empires. It might not be directly interpretable by your physical eye, but it is true geologically, politically, socially, economically. The world is divided into kingdoms. And the Bible says he can give it to any man. That means you are called to be a ruler of a realm. Now that's hard to explain it to a person who is looking for rent. Very hard. Very, very hard. Because they can't even pay for the man's brick and mortar. But yet what I'm saying is true. So he says, no, I have made you kings and priests to the most high God because this is necessary for the world to accept you 
When he says you shall be the heads, you cannot be the head anywhere if you don't come with a kingly anointing. The attitude of a king must saturate your thinking or a queen. The attitude of a queen or king must fill your interpretation and attitude of life. If a king drops a phone in an ocean, what do they do? Oh, my phone. Get me another one. See? My contact, my contact. Whoa, way, whoa, way, whoa, way, whoa, way. I don't know whether I'll ever get another phone. Whoa, way. You see? <laughs> if they're ironing a king's shirt and it gets burnt, what does it do? Yeah, send get another one. It's okay. Time. You see? Lens up my shirt. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Do kings worry about provision? Do you know what it's like to hire somebody who is not coming for a pay but for purpose? Oh, I know many of you can't live there. I know many of you cannot live there. Let me tell you, no job will ever make you wealthy. It does not exist. That's for survivors. Hallelujah. Yes, you're working there, wherever you're working for purpose. When your purpose is over, hey, next level. Don't plan on that pay. Don't build on that mortgage. Don't. Don't build life surrounding the mortgage they gave you. Otherwise, you're going to live like the world. And then somebody says, but if I don't have money, what do I do? You see? Slave mentality. Servant mentality. Somebody say, I'm royal. He says, you have been made kings. That is why, for example, when the Bible says in the First Peter 2.9, you read the scripture. You are a chosen generation. Huh? A royal priesthood. Do you know what that means? Royal priesthood. You're not just a priesthood. You are royalty. No, no. Leave the African or Asian or wherever. No, no, no. Leave the humankind. This one is higher. You are royalty. Because you're a son or daughter of the most high. Who is the king of all. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says you are a holy nation. A peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Show forth praises. Show forth praises. Not survival. Show forth praises. So you wake up to go to work like a king or a queen. That's the attitude. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. When I'm praying, I say, Father, I thank you. Because money comes to me as it would come to a king. Favor comes to me as it would come to a king. Glory comes to me as it would come for a king. That's how I pray. Some of you say, if I can survive this month, Listen to you. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I send fire on your tongue and brimstone to burn that funny confession. Never should it ever return in your mouth. In Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout hallelujah. So the calling from darkness to light came with royalty too. Think that way. Build a life that thinks that way. You'll be amazed at the things you'll start attracting. All the things that will start coming to you because you know who you are. We can become all things to save some, but only to save them. After they are saved, we go back to who we are. <laughs> Glory to God. So it doesn't mean we don't humble ourselves to preach the gospel. No. We can humble, you'll find me on a marketplace preaching, but after I'm done, I'm still a king. Somebody shout hallelujah. Even there, I am kingly. And we must think like that. Our attitude must be like that. Let me tell you, if you go for an interview with that attitude, you are most likely to get a job. But if you go for an interview like a survivor, you're gone. Help me. You know, I've not worked for a whole year. My wife is sleeping hungry. My children don't have fees. Hey, 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 hey. What if you don't get this job? I'll get it. But what if you don't? I'm still okay. I'm bigger. You're so proud. No, I'm not proud. I'm royalty. Hey, from which kingdom? Heaven. Humble, but confident. Somebody shout hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30, see what God is doing. Just see what God is doing. He says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. Why? Because he knew they want them wise. 
He knew they wanted them with understanding. So when Jesus came, not only were you made royalty, he became wisdom to you. If anybody should question the wisdom on your life, Jesus. So those two things scripturally, according to this narrative, already are qualifications by God, but they're not the preparation for the work. They're just qualifications for preparation for the work. You understand what I'm saying? You could have these two and still not be functional because there are other things necessary for the complete positioning of any believer to have influence in the earth. Do you understand what I'm saying? But these two are qualifications. The wisdom of God is key and you have it already. He has been made unto you wisdom. Jesus is in you of whom is all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's in you. That's perfect. You're a king or queen. That's perfect. And then there are these three things that are necessary to prepare you. And we go back to that story and see, and the Bible says, the king tells Aspinus that if you get these people of the king's seed, give them wisdom and understanding. He says, one, preparation, teach them the language or the tongue of the Chaldeans. In other words, one of the most fundamental things to prepare them for the service they need after the qualification, they need the right language. And all of these things I'm telling you have been provided for in scripture. You just don't know how to connect to them and pray the right way. I'm teaching you how. She says, teach them the Chaldean language because they're not going to serve in a place of whose language they don't understand. And it's more than just the math and the physics. No, it's the hidden language of the heart. The thing that communicates holy emotions. The thing that introduces you without speaking. The thing that makes a man love you without saying anything. You walk in the room and they say, I don't know what, but there's something about that young man. And it says we have a communication that can become effectual as we acknowledge every good thing that is in Christ Jesus, that is in us. No, no, no. Let me take you back to Genesis. The earth one time was one language and one speech. You remember that story? One language and one speech. And these men, which were opposed to the way of God said, let us now go and build ourselves a tower whose top may reach unto the heavens. If you read the book of Jasher, an extra biblical text, the real rendering really is that they wanted to build a building until they get to heaven and overthrow God. And the Bible tells us, because they wanted to make themselves a name, and God said, this people is one. Are you hearing? This people is one. And that they have all one word. Language. And this they begin to do. He said, because they have the right language. He says, nothing will be restrained from them, which they imagine to do. That means the power of creation and possibility is not even in their action. The moment they imagine it, every power necessary in the world to create it has been availed. Has so much power. And the people we're talking about are not born again. They're actually rebellious to the way of God. But he says, if they have the right language and the right speech, nothing they imagine to do can be impossible. If they imagine to build to heaven, they'll go there. How? We don't know, but they will build it. Why? Because Hebrew was with them and all the other languages. They had all the dimensions of language. They were united. All the dimensions of language were one language. So he never underestimated the power of language. Because everything in this world is created by language. God had to say, let there be. And there was a language of interpretation in life and the universe for it to respond to that word and create what was in the imagination of God the Father. So you never underestimate the power of language. They cannot serve if they don't have the right language. The Bible says, let us go down and confound them, confuse them. And they were confused. And when they were confused, the Bible says, they said they speak to each other and they never understood each other. That's the only way they would stop building. God wouldn't stop them anyway, except to confound them. Go in the book of Acts chapter 2. The disciples are in the upper room praying. You remember? And the Bible says that they are filled with the Holy Spirit, cloven tongues of fire, and then they are speaking in tongues. And if you will run to verses 4, he says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them what? Utterance. Now, I want you to see what happened. Because what happens in Acts 2 was not just the infill of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. No. God was reconciling a certain language for the church. Yeah! Read it. 
they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues, and they that were dwelling at Jerusalem, the Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noise that brought, the multitude came together, and they were what? What was the multitude? Confounded. In Genesis, he confounded them. In the book of Acts, these guys in the room are reconciled and the people outside are confounded. You mean you don't understand what I'm saying? The confusion that was in the world by scattering their language was reconciled in the upper room and the men in the upper room stayed one and people outside were the ones confused. From that day the church, oh, from that day the church was reconciled in language where the whole world stayed confounded. That is why we must be the heads. That's why we must be above and not beneath. That is why we have to be the greatest. Why? Because we are reconciled in language. And this is how we know. The Bible says, they were confounded because every man had them speak in his own language. Every man had them speak in his own language. Let's continue. You'll understand what I'm saying. It said, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, Pavians, Medes, Elamites, the dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and in Egypt, the parts of Libya, and Siren, the strangers of Rome, and Jews, and the proselytes. Everyone is hearing guys in the room speaking in their own language. Something had reconciled in this room. That is why when you open your mouth and say, Oh, he that speaketh in tongues, the Bible says, builds himself up. He speaks mysteries unto God. Every time you're speaking in a tongue, you're actually reconciling the confounded. Speak some tongue there. Come on, confound something. Reconcile something. Hey, when you're speaking like that the trees understand you the lakes understand you the rivers understand you the air understands you gold understands you silver understands you cancer understands you HIV understands you the economies of this world the politics of this world social systems structures they're reconciling the economics are understanding praise are you understanding this are you getting this we hear every man speaking in our language let me explain every they could have said we hear some men speaking i hear one speaking greek i hear one speaking hebrew i hear one speaking no if you got one man the way he was speaking one man the way he was speaking one the jew would hear him the phrygian would hear him the cappadocian would hear him Every language would hear him. They would understand him. And the Bible says they're speaking in tongues. The wondrous works of God. Let me tell you a story. I know a guy who comes from somewhere in Europe, Turkey area. This guy, somebody brought him to a meeting once. And I was speaking in tongues praying. And then, for some reason, I started speaking a language he understands. That is native. Me, I was speaking in tongues. So the guy started to follow Fanero. And then one day he met me and said, how did you speak our language? I told him which one. <laughs> he was excited to meet me because he thought I knew the language here. That's when I understood. I don't play with tongues. I don't know who I'm talking to when I say, I don't know what I'm communicating. But... Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Glory to God. That's how he became part of us. Because he had me speak a language. He understood. He was shocked to hear a black man speaking it. Man, I don't even remember what I was saying. I can't even repeat it. But that's what God is saying exactly. That one day you'll enter an interview. And a man will start hearing his language. Oh, Yabara de Gosia. One time you'll pitch for a project. And a man will start 
hearing your language. One day you will enter somewhere and you need to discuss a point and a man will understand you because is every English speaking preacher on Christian televisions across the world? No, because it's more than speaking English. We speak a language they understand. That's how this black boy can be on God TV and keep you in Europe. That's how, only way. Because it's more than English. It's more than English. It's more than the semantics and the vocabulary. It's more than the lines and how they're connected, right? Even if I speak local language, they'll still want me there. How? Because I speak what they understand. This thing will make you influential in the whole world. The language was reconciled. So he tells these guys, if they have the kingly anointing and they have the wisdom, teach them the Chaldean language. Number two, let's go back to the story. And the next thing is, and the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them for three years. The food is important. The message, who has understood that? The message. It's important, the message. You know, some Christians, I don't understand them. They're like religious people. You know, people of religion say, ah, you just go to the church. All churches are churches. No. All churches are churches, granted, but they don't have what you need. Because God is specific about what you eat. That is why we're still fighting with men as we're preaching grace. You preach grace, they say, oh, they're preaching extreme grace. They're telling people that it's okay to sin. And I'm like, oh, they don't understand our language. I understand it. So because the language is warped, even the grace message constipates them. Instead of revealing Christ to them. We tell young people, it's okay to sleep around. But even if you do what, it's okay. Even if you sin, it's okay. Parents bring their children here eh, to tell them, listen to sin. And they think all of us are stupid except them. Who is confounded? Us or them? The message is important. Listen, when we are talking about law and grace, Jesus said, this is Jesus, John 6, 32. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true word. Bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he, the bread of God is he, which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And they said unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. We need a message that will not take a man hungry anymore, but will take them to the fullness. Because if they are full, they are functional. If they are full, they are applicable. They are not survivors because they are full. They are complete in him, in whom he is the head of all principality and power. So the message is important. Grace or law. The Bible says it's important for the heart to be established in grace and not with diverse meats, wherewith they which have indulged themselves therein have not profited in them, even though they are occupied in it. Somebody's reading something, they are believing a message, but it never works for them. And they can't change it. They would rather die when it's not working. Ah, uh -huh, not me. I need food that can make me grow. Somebody shout hallelujah. A man which is not experienced in the word of righteousness, the Bible says, is a babe, unable to speak. That means if you don't understand the message of grace, you're not even supposed to be teaching. Hebrews 5.13. Because you're still young. So the message is important. Give them the right word, the right food. And lastly, the Bible says, and now he says among them, the children of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and to whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. That's the third thing too. They have to be named right. And Daniel became Belteshazzar, and Hananiah of Shadrach, and Mishael became Meshach, and Azariah became Abednego. He said, if the name is given right, and what we understand by the name. If you go in the book of Revelation chapter 2, the 17th verse, it talks about the church of Pagamos. There's a place where he will give a new name. And that name is known to whoever is given to. You see? Have you realized the naming is of Christ? The language is of Christ. The food is of Christ. The wisdom is of Christ. The kingship is of Christ. 
watch not of Christ. So when we talk about Jesus Christ, we're talking more than just salvation for our souls. We're talking about the reason why we shall not be survivors in this world. We're talking about why we must be a success in this world. Why we cannot fail in this world. In one of my primary consecrations, I was praying, you know, relating with God. And one day, I understood the power of a name. He said something to me that marked me forever in the spirit. And every man, I think, needs to have that experience. Because when you understand that place, it will help you understand your true rank. It will help you know what to respond to and what not to in the spirit realm. It will help you know what to command and what not to command. It will help you know when and why God instructs you, commands you, leads you, causes you. And reveals himself to you. Without that true mark, you will not understand the assignment of God on your life. Why do you think when God brings all the animals to Adam, he says he wanted to see what he would name them? Because it was only right that the guy in charge who had dominion over these things should name them. And the root word there in the naming is actually defining their essence and character. That means whatever he called that animal to become, it became. The only problem is that you look at these animals in a fallen world. You don't see the day of the reconciliation of things where the lion will eat straw and the lamb will lie next to the tiger. Why? Because you see things from a fallen world. But these things are reconciled. Lions were never meant to eat meat. It's only that survival spirit that came into the world after the fall. If you understand how this works, you will refuse to be a survivor because that's a mindset of fallen people, not redeemed men. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. I want to finish this way. Everything I've read for you was there to help you understand what Jesus came to do and what he gave you. You don't have an excuse. That's how the world works. You must have a certain language to make it in business or any world. You must have a certain message in your spirit for you to make it through at that day when the boss says, I'm going to fire you. And then you go in a room and say, Ke para gato. and he says, no, we changed our minds. Somebody shout hallelujah. You must have a certain name in the spirit that follows you because it introduces you before you introduce yourself. Not only to the sons of men, but to the demons of this world, the evil spirits, they know Paul. They should know you. But they could not say we know Saul because that was his biological. Many people don't know who named him Paul. Let's get to our feet. Tell your neighbor you don't have an excuse. Tell him again you don't have an excuse. You don't. Raise your voice and start to pray. Come on. A few minutes, just speak in tongues. Something is happening on this ground. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. I see. I see. I see. I see. Everlasting, pray. Everlasting, precious love of God. Take a few minutes. Oh, what a Savior! Oh, what a salvation we have received by grace. Come and open your mouth. Everlasting. Shut up, Alaliga. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what salvation we. Come on, pray. 
Pray from your spirit. If you're not speaking in tongues today, receive them now. Now they are coming right now upon you. Receive it. 
receive it. Mothers receive it. Fathers receive it. Worshippers receive it. May God give you a sound. May God give you a song. May God give you a worship that any language can understand, that any nation can interpret. May God give a song in your spirit that the day you see it, sing it. Even those that don't understand your mother tongue will understand its meaning and its effect. change but a seed has been planted in your spirit that is going to introduce you in the most amazing ways to those that matter I see God bless men and women ahead of you to fulfill the dream of God on your life God is giving you destiny helpers to come your way God is going to bring people that you've never expected to come to interpret that dream you wrote on paper years ago in the mighty name of Jesus God is going to give you gatekeepers to keep what God has given you to make sure that as you grow you do not lose no slump in the mighty name of Jesus God is brightening your star your influence in this world is going to be undefinable questions like how how did she do it where did she come from receive it give the Lord a mighty angle of a praise touch two people and tell them I must change the world two tell them I must change the world if you're sick in your body I speak healing right now right now if the world wants them healthy, there's a reason. I speak health over you. Health over you. Health over you. Health over you. Bone diseases are healing. Joint tissues are healing. Blood diseases are healing. Heart diseases are healing. Kidneys are healing. Pancreas is healing. Liver is healing issues are healing now in Jesus name you will live a full life somebody shout hallelujah let me do one more thing if you've never given your life to Christ I have explained to you what he can do but above all above everything we have said today above everything we have said today he came that he might give you eternal life. That's the best gift, salvation. The Bible says there's no name given whereby men are saved. It's the name of Jesus Christ. He shed his blood for you that you might live. He has guaranteed heaven for all who believe on him. I don't care how much mess you're in and how you've messed up. And God doesn't even want you to first correct yourself and come. No. He says, give me a chance to change you. So if you want to give Jesus your life today and say, today I want to be born again. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. Because today I have believed in my heart. And now I confess that you are Lord. I believe that you died for my sins and you are raised for my glory 
today I take you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Finero, make manifest.